What's up, everybody, and welcome to the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. It is Game of the Year 2020 here at Rocket Punch. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Cameron, the man behind the fist here at Rocket Punch. Joining me, as always, is the Dark Lord of Hype himself, Mr. Darth Turner, a.k.a. Seth. Seth, how are you doing today? Listen, I am doing pretty damn good. I got my JoJo's shirt Ready to rock you and did. roll? Did that's a yes. Pretty, I got this nice uh, shirt, sir, from my fiance as a as a uh, late Christmas gift surprise. Mail is totally messed up, so all the Christmas <laughs> gifts are coming in a lot later. But it is okay. Uh, listen, I've been looking forward to this. I have not done Rocket Punch Game of the Year in quite some time as a how, like a proper co-host. I've, how long? You know, I been? always breach and clear. I always breach and clear Rocket Punch content, <laughs> but. It's been at least two years since I have been on as a like proper, uh, I, I guess, participant and, and yes. not just like uh, ain't loud fan <laughs> shouting in like, uh, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yes, I, I'm no longer the Neville Longbottom, just like coming in every now and again to like comic relief. Now I'm part of the crew, you know, part of the squad. No, it's pretty good. I game of the year is always such a great time to like reflect and think about this yes. year. Um, look at video games and really get a chance to like embrace like celebrating things that I think maybe didn't get as much love as should have gotten or uh, uh, get to talk about some of my favorite gaming moments. So I'm super excited. How about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm excited. This is, I always talk about how this is like the busiest part of the year for me because of course, after game of the year, while this is going on, I'm also working behind the scenes on stuff to do for the next year. So that is always exciting, but really getting, I I feel this is like the opportunity to really sit and talk about a lot of the game experiences and the things that I've played over the past year and, you know, how much fun or not so much fun we've had as an industry and as gamers and as a community over the past 365 days. And um, I I just have a lot of fun. I, I, I really geek out talking about all of the all of the stuff we get to play, all the unique games, and it's really like a reflection. Like you don't think about the all these games as a whole as you're going throughout the year, but like once you get to game of the year and get to the end, we reflect back. I'm like, man, I played a lot of really good games, and you have those like aha mm-hmm. moments, like, oh yeah, I played that game. Oh my god, that was so good. Or you know, and, oh wait, yeah. what about this game? And it, it it makes it so much harder to pick winners and runners up for these categories that we have, but. It's still a whole lot of fun to actually sit down and really, really dig down and talk to the, talk about these games, and especially I think stuff like you said, like these games that maybe don't get a lot of that limelight, maybe in some of the bigger awards that are still awesome games. Because I know that for every time we've done this, we're not you know we don't necessarily all the time uh, run along the same tracks as everybody else does. And, you know, as we shouldn't have to, we, we really, we talk yeah. and discuss about like, here are our topics, here are our awards, here's the criteria for how we want to pick them. And let, let's pick them out and let's talk about them and kind of give, even if it's just for a few minutes, give each of those games, their kind of time to shine. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Always have fun with this. Always have fun with game of the year. Um, now, since I'm back, we did some tweaking, right? So we've done a little bit of format changing. We've got some new uh, categories, and we've kind of got a new way to to present it all. So 
kind of for this first episode, let's give people a quick rundown of like what's yes. what does Rocket Punch Game of the Year look like this year? Because um, it is a, a I would say compared to last year's a, a lot different from a like how you're going to be listening standpoint. Yes. So can you run through that real quick? Just let everybody know like what are we dealing with this year? Yeah. Let's let's go over that real fast, guys. So. If you've never joined Rocket Punch for our Game of the Year stuff, um, the month of January is our Game of the Year stuff. We do things a lot different than a lot of other people in the industry, big or small. For number one, we wait until the end of the year before we talk about Game of the Year. I don't know why that annoys me so much that the Game Awards is in early December, but there are still games that come out, Cyberpunk, in December that still are valid. But I digress. That's their business. They do what they want. We do I here. will say this, Cameron. Oh, go ahead. If we were trying to get sponsors to run ads, <laughs> it would be a lot easier to sell to them prior to Christmas than it would be after Christmas. That is true. We'll worry about that when we get the sponsors. <laughs> How about that? But yeah, so we have the privilege of actually waiting to the end of the year. And I know a lot of people use December as like a, you know, like they give their staff a break. And so they kind of pre record mm-hmm. content and load it up. And we are pre-recording this content but we're pre-recording it in january to publish in january so that way we can actually provide stuff i've already heard about some games uh some big games cameron some really big highly anticipated highly talked about games that came out in december getting potentially pushed off to like 2021 game of the year discussions because it's so late in the year and they were trying wow. to pre-record content so early, right? They they had had wow, uh, wow. We'll wow, say wow. that one game. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what you could know be what game about. I'm talking about. But they've only had it for like three or four days at that point, and so they're like, "Oh, let's just talk about it next year." And I'm like, "What? That's I feel like that's a little unfair." That's and unfair. so I really appreciate that we wait until the end of the year and really have a chance to talk about like what's happening, because dude, there's nothing that happens in January. Like there's nothing. The, the, you, nothing. Like nothing. So why don't we? Take all the Game of the Year stuff and put it in January. So, um, guys, the breakdown is this here. Um, I've actually got the schedule pulled up, so I'll be reading from that. Um, what we're going to be doing here, guys, is um, a lot of this stuff is going to be pre-recorded, um, so that way we have it prepared and I can edit it in a timely manner to get it out to you. But starting on January the third, yes, that is correct. January third. Um, if you, when you guys are listening to this here. Um, we'll actually be streaming it. The uh, VOD will be streamed on Twitch uh, starting then. And then we'll have the episodes published on um, podcast services throughout the week. So how that's going to work here, guys, is that there are four weeks in January. We have ten main categories that we go through. Um, we'll be doing parts one, two, and three starting January 3rd. Uh, those first three episodes will go live. They'll be Those will be on VOD. Then the podcast episodes will publish throughout that week from Tuesday through Thursday and then kind of in a repeating pattern. So next week will be episodes four, five, and six. Those will be streamed on Twitch on that Sunday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those episodes go out. Same again for episode seven, eight, nine, et cetera. Then episode 10 will be our game of the year. Um, that episode is special and the fact that that one will be streamed live. We will have that. We will be streaming that live on Twitch. You guys will be able to come and participate with us on in that conversation as we talk about and make our picks for Game of the Year with that episode going live that Tuesday, just like any old regular Rocket Punch show. Um, these episodes replace the Rocket Punch show. There is not a Rocket Punch show episode proper throughout the month of January because, like Seth said, 
there's really nothing to be talked about in January. It's very quiet. Everybody's resting. The news is kind of calm. So, hey, we'll do game of the year there. Um, so that way you and, and the way we're breaking it down, I know last year we had um, Will and I had like four big episode chunks and they were like two and a half to three hours each uh, that you had to listen to. Um, we, Seth and I talked about it and kind of, as he teased, uh, one of the big things is we wanted to make it easier for you guys to consume that. So we're kind of going back to the way we used to do it years ago, where each part will be its own episode. So in the, um, podcast feed, you'll see episodes one episode, you know, part one, part two, part three for each category that we make our picks for. So you're not having to consume like three categories and once you can actually choose which episode you want to listen to. Um, the videos in the, in and of themselves will also be um, split apart on YouTube. So when we stream it on Twitch, it's just going to stream as one big video, but we'll also, we'll have those videos broken out for you guys on uh, YouTube. So if you want to watch the VOD and just watch the video of one specific category, you can go over to youtube.com slash go check out that category that you're looking for. Bada bing, bada boom. You're good to go. Um, in a similar vein to what we did last year, uh, kind of how we're going through these categories here is, um, well, first let's go through the categories here. Uh, some tweaks here. Um, Seth, correct me. And add in some um, any other words here for any additions or changes we're making to these categories. But the 10 categories, the main ones that we're going to be talking about in our episodes are as follows. Um, best presentation. Best score in music. Unexpected Gem, Biggest Impact, Biggest Fail. Um, I'm I'm making a decree. I'm renaming this. It's just going to be For the Win. Um, favorite Character, Best Moment, Person of the Year, and then Game of the Year. Um, a, a couple of changes, especially near the back half of that on um, some of the categories that we've had in years past. And it was really just, I mean, Seth can uh, definitely, if you want to add anything to this, you can. It was really just us sitting down and thinking about what we really wanted to talk about, how we, you know, there were some categories we felt were redundant, were felt were kind of outdated in how we, you know, we look at the gaming landscape now. And so we made some changes to that. I know a big one was like, we took developer of the year out and put person of the year. thought that's a little bit more meaningful then uh, developer of the year uh, instead of like best narrative or best story, we put best moment. Um, I know Seth, you push pretty hard for best moment as well. Cause that night, yeah. that makes a lot more sense and maybe possibly helps us avoid some spoilerish territories there. Maybe sort of, yeah. maybe not. Um, well, it makes it easier to navigate. And then it also lets us highlight cool moments for what might otherwise be narratively flat games, right? Like, I think uh, a great past example is the Bloody Baron quest line in The Witcher 3. Witcher 3 narrative is a whatever, dude. Like, <laughs> can anyone really even tell you what that game is about? But a lot of people remember that particular storyline. And so that, that was kind of my, my mindset is like, let's, you know, let's take a chance. And, and rather than spend 45 minutes talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake's ending... Let's let people whoa. pick out. The- whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on now. What? Why can't we? Why can we? Talk about? It was a great ending. It was awesome. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, Stop. then that might be a moment that you can talk about. So. Um, but no, it, it, a lot of cool categories there. Some, of course, some state, some staple categories that we've always had: unexpected gem, biggest fail. Those are still here. We're still going to talk about those. Um, but from those ten categories, guys, how we're approaching it is very similar to what we did last year. 
Um, Seth and I have our own lists that we've created. Mine's on my phone. His is somewhere on his computer. Um, we have chosen two runners-up and a winner for each of the categories separately. So we'll have our own separate list. We do not know what each other has picked. So any reactions, good or bad, that you hear or see from us, they're genuine and authentic. We have no idea what each other's chosen. I love this part because too, like it's like mind games. We have to like, hmm, I know Seth, so he like for this he might choose this. So I'm expecting this on his list here, and Seth is probably the same way. Like, no, I, Cameron has to put this on here. So it's also fun when like we surprise the other person. They're like, what you yeah. picked that? Oh my god! <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but um, after we'll do that, we'll pick. We'll each discuss our two runners up, and then our a winner, and then if it um. If any, um, actual act at the end, we didn't really define it last year, but we're going to do it this year. Um, after we just talk about our winner, before the episode is over, per se, we're also going to give some shout-outs and do quick discussions on some honorable mentions that we might have. Just some mm-hmm. games that maybe didn't quite make our top three, but still warranted us, warrant us talking about them to you guys and letting you know, mm-hmm. hey, you still need to play this game. Here's why. It's really awesome there. And kind of give some um, recommendations from us in our different styles. Because, you know, you guys have seen it throughout most of the year. You know, I'm the PlayStation guy. He's the Xbox guy. I like certain games. He likes certain games. So it's always nice to... The thing I like about these, like having our own picks, is that it kind of really showcases our style of play and how we like to mm. play games. Um, because not everybody who listens is going to be like me or like Seth, like you, um, or like anybody else. So it's really cool. Exactly. Um, but... Remember, game of the year is all subjective. Yes, please and it is by no means the most representative. Uh, I think that access to certain games, you know, this has been a, a tough year for a lot of people, and so a lot of people maybe have not gotten as many games or uh, have been looking for more time filling games. Right? Yeah. This year, so it's the, and I think that's reflective. You'll see that reflective in some of the stuff that we talk about. So, and then, anyways, I know. Very long spiel for this first episode. We're going to try and keep it tight. We are. We, this is the intro episode, so it's going to be a little bit longer yeah. than the other ones, but everything else is going to be tight. Uh, before we actually get started here, I do also do want to do one shout out and make sure, guys, um, we are also doing the same thing as we did last year with the People's Choice um, Game of the Year. So what we'll actually have is there will be a Google document that goes out. Um, with, so as soon as you guys hear this on the 3rd of January... All throughout January, I'll be promoting and asking people to go and vote, give your guys' input on who, uh, based on our categories, and I'm also going to add a couple of extra little spicy categories in there as well, on your guys' thoughts for Game of the Year, and those winners, you guys are going to vote on those, and those winners are going to be um, read out live on the um, Game of the Year episode at the end of the month. So if you want to make your voices heard, and let us know what you think and kind of how you felt of, of this past year, in gaming, then definitely um, make sure and be on the lookout for that on um, the Twitter feed at Rock Punch Go, at Darth Turner. You you guys you guys know the drill. You know Fire up your bot accounts. Yeah. Get in there with those duplicate votes. <laughs> so that being said, it's time. Um, this is episode one, part one, whatever you want to call it. Um, this category is best presentation. Um, I've I've written in here, and I'm trying to keep better track of it this year. Uh, best presentation. How we're describing it is it's given to the game with outstanding visuals and game design, creating a cohesive and engaging creative vision. Um, 
your best presentation, you know, th things that we're definitely looking out for, and Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, but like visuals, like how stuff is coming out at you, you know, how, how is it presented? Is it presented well? Do the underlying mechanics like game design, I say game design, but like controls, gameplay, music, visuals, sounds, all this stuff, kind of how it, if, if it creates a very nice and um, atmospheric game and presentation to the gamer, you know, those games that kind of suck you in. You just like, you feel like you're in that world. That's the game we're talking about here. Um, so how are we going to do this? Um, how, Seth, what, what did Will and I do last time? Will, last time Will and I did a coin flip. Do I have okay. a coin? Um, where's the coin? I need a coin. I need a coin. Oh, I might actually have one. So what we did is a coin flip. To see who goes first. So I have, let's see here. I have a nickel. Because of course I do. Seth, you get to call it. I'll, I'll, show, I'll show the camera. Heads. Right. And then, let me drop it on the ground here. Heads, this is, uh, heads and tails. Translating really great to I know audio, I'm sure. It's awesome. That's why we, that's why we do it. Okay. Call All it right, I'm calling. I'm calling heads. Calling heads. Okay. The winner is Tails. Tails. So I get to go first. We'll you know, honestly, I think Tails is a really strong character, and <laughs> I can't wait to see how they incorporate him into the future uh, future entries into the series. But. Okay. So we'll just say from, from henceforth, the winner, whoever, winner has to go first. We'll do that. We'll okay. make it easy. So we're talking about best presentation. My picks. I'm going to pull my phone out here. Um, bu, 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 bu. okay. I'm yeah, not gonna no. meet on my table, but I'm meeting on my table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yes. Um. So as we said, guys. Uh, first, we're gonna talk about our runners up. These are not a specific order, per se. They're just our runners up. We, if we want to put them in order, we'll definitely let you know what our order is. Um. My first runners up. A little bit surprised. That this ended up on my list, but it's one of the fun things about trying new games and trying new things. And I was kind of happily surprised that I was pretty into this game so far. Uh, Demon Souls yeah. is my runner up. <laughs> the uh, PlayStation 5 remake. Um, I Seth, we had a conversation because I was really nervous. I was like, man... Demon Souls looks cool, but I don't know. I really like Sekiro. Bloodborne was fun. I don't know if I'm going to like this. And you were like, man, well, dark, you know, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and it's a little different, and da-da-da-da. I ended up, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm a, let me give it a go. You know, here's 60 bucks. Well, here's 70 bucks. <laughs> let me... There you go. There you go. <laughs> let me correct my wording there. Uh, we go in, and... I, I'm like, oh man, here we go. I, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. I really enjoyed every moment with Demon Souls. The 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 slight gothic kind of medieval, dark medieval themes that come down the wave. Like playing as the knight when you're you're going through. I remember, and Seth, you're going to have to help me with the names here. The first zone you go into. Um, it's basically I mean, your intro. Everything's pretty much just world one, world two, world three. And then like the first section is like one, one, 
one, two. It's, I mean, it's, oh, it's the, it's the it's castle. Mario. When you zone yeah. into the castle and you have that huge dragon, like grab bodies on the bridge and take it away. And from that moment, from starting to play through there and like going through, I was just not only so amazed at what, what, ooh, let me mute that so you guys aren't hearing me type. Um, at what was done, this like we we break break the parts of best presentation visually. Mm-hmm. This game is fucking gorgeous. It is yeah beautiful. Like the detail and design, seeing the different bricks on the bridge like fall to pieces, and the different like the battlements and the wood, and then at, kind of as I'm walking through, you've got like the zombies or the you know undead or the demons like coming out at you, mm-hmm. and fighting through those is just it really pulled and sucked me into that world and made that experience even like it, it, it in a way kind of relaxed to me, kind of putting me in that world and like, okay, Cam, you could do this. This isn't going to be that tough. Just, you, you know what you got to do. You've played some of these games before you can handle this and being able to play through that was really cool. Like props to, um, from so- not from software, Jesus blue point games, so I want to pull it up to make sure I'm reading the right, getting the right information here. I mean, they used a lot of the code from from software, but oh yeah, but like the the, the fact that they, the visual enhancements at Bluepoint, like I yeah, I, I'm scared. I'm scared if Bluepoint ever does like their own IP, if they're just like really good about taking existing graphics and like bringing them to the current generation, or like if they're that good and then like tackle their own IP. I'm scared of what they could create. Um, especially with a lot of the experience, (laughs) but like playing all the way through, you'll be proud, Seth. I haven't had a chance to play it lately for obvious reasons, but, um, um, I got to the first boss and beat him. The blob. Mm -hmm. Phalanx. The phalanx. Yes. Yes. I beat him. I didn't know what the hell to do. And I'm like, Oh God. Um, Oh, fire, fire. (laughs) Like, yeah, fire. That's it. You got it. And I was I was very happy to um, get through that, but that that entire walkthrough, just the des- the level design, and actually like you you go in and you go on the left, and then you walk through areas and you get up to the top, and then if you like hit the chain that opens the part of the door, then you walk back through, and like it the the world has a path to guide you, but it also gives you it's big enough to give you room to explore and kind of go off the beaten path a little bit and maybe find new items or maybe just find a death trap. Who knows? Um, and it was just so awesome, especially my, my first experience ever with Demon Souls or any of the Souls games um, to enjoy that, the ambiance, the, the, the sound design that was added in with that, the visuals there. Like I'm, I'm playing a knight. So like as I'm walking on the um, the cobblestones and the brick, you can kind of hear the metal clunk against that. But then you start going a- across wood and other materials. The sound design changes. The the fire and effects, the gameplay of like it's always been challenging for me because I I love me some action games, and so I'm always like dive straight in. But like Demon Souls, you can't do that. You gotta we'll, we'll pump the brakes, boss. You got a little bit, pull it back a little bit here and step back in and step back in and um, slash and do what I can. 
and and f- learn how these enemies attack, learn their weaknesses, learn their strengths, and learn what you can do so you can avoid it. Like I remember when I, for, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I was always used to like block, block, block. But then I learned, oh, if I parry, I can do a one hit kill on some of these smaller enemies. Oh, let me, you know, if I can get a parry and let me do that. And then started expanding my abilities and skills in that game. Um, the Demon Souls is just. Well done, Blue Point. I like yeah. what you did, what you guys did, and um, playing this on the PlayStation 5 is just really, really awesome from everything, from visuals, sound design, whatever. You, you know, yes, it is a remake, but it's still a game that came out here. And to the, the big things about remakes, I think a lot of people don't like take into consideration as well as that. Yes, they're remaking a game. It's based on existing code that's already there, but... A lot of the stuff, especially that Blue Point has done, are games that like fans really love and fans have fond memories for. And as we all know, when you when you mess with gamers' nostalgia, it can go mm-hmm. one of two varying different ways. And the fact that I think Blue Point was able to not only nail it but exceed expectations. Like I, I remember that first boss, that like whatever that weird first little boss that comes in. Right, with, oh, like the, uh, Vanguard Demon. Yeah, from the yeah from the demo, yeah, like the tutorial boss. Yep. Mm-hmm. See, seeing how it looked back then to how it looks now, I was just like, yeah. bravo! Like even not even taking away like, not even just graphically, but like things like ambiance and lighting really, yeah. really makes a difference, and and how that how those how the visuals and everything look in this game, and I think like. Again, Blue Point, Blue Point Master Craftsmen in their craft. Yeah. Bravo to them. Thumbs up. That is why Demon Souls is one of my runners up for Very this nice. presentation. Yeah. Blue Point reminds me a lot of playground games in that they're both the straight A students. Like they contis- <laughs> they consistently provide like the best content. And so when their games come out, everyone kind of like, woo. <laughs> like no one's surprised when their games are like super great. And so I, I wholeheartedly agree. Demon Souls is one of the only games that launched uh, exclusive for next gen, you know, PS5 only. Yeah. And it shows. You can tell that they made that game with uh, minimal loading times, uh, maximum graphics, high frame rate, lots of really great. I was going to say like frame rate's great. I don't know mm-hmm. from a loading time perspective because I didn't play it back in the day, so I have no idea like. Comparison wise in my brain, how loading was back then to how it is now. It was it was rough. I mean it the it, it's kind of like Assassin's Creed when you remember Assassin's Ooh. Creed, you'd be like running around for like 20, 30 seconds. It's yeah. kind of in that zone. Uh and they really that is rough. never really fixed that. They just <laughs> made the loading screen interesting. That was really <laughs> they put all the lore blocks in there, but yep. it's I, I'm really proud of Blue Point for doing this. It's it, one of the things you said. I'll echo it again. Like it is so terrifying to try and remake a classic beloved game like Demon's Souls. Like you're on the one hand, you've got to make it a, a fun and enjoyable game for someone who's never played before, and then you've also got to make it a, not only a game that that mirrors what that previous experience was like, but you've got to mirror what people's perceptions of that experience was like, right? Yeah. And so they think the gra- the graphics were really great. They think the physics and, and the gameplay was really tight, but it probably wasn't. However, you've got to make them think that it was and that you've captured. It's just, I can't imagine trying to take on a fe- 
feet like that, but they did it. They certainly did they it. They continue to do it. Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, Demon Souls, what's next? I don't what's know. next? That's what's what I want to know. But that's a better thing for the Rocket Punch show, not yeah. for Game of the Year. We'll worry about that later. So, uh, next is one of my runner-ups for best presentation. Again, presentation is a combined... In my mind, is like something that's visually stunning, shocking, uh, impressive, but also gameplay everything kind of combines together to make this uh greater than the sum of its parts and one game it continues to be shafted in just about every conversation i hear it in but that is ori and the will of the wisps i figured this Uh, is gonna be on your list this is a game that is so it's beautiful like it's it's an ori game so like obviously it's got the watercolor feel it's got the uh fantastic soundtrack it's got the uh you know amazing like it's it's one of those minimalism stories of like they don't spend a lot of time with excessive dialogue or cutscenes. it's really about seeing the story unfold through the um mm-hmm. the actions that are on screen and you take that you know you look at or in the blind forest it was basically kind of like a little side scroller uh kind of remind me a little bit of like a sonic game where it's like dodge yeah. the spikes uh, and jump real good. <laughs> like, that was the gameplay, right? And when they made Will of the Wisp, they could have easily just taken that formula and, like, repeated it again, but they didn't. They actually made it a a different kind of game. It plays more like a Hollow Knight or um, something that's more of, like, a side-scroll, side-scrolling action game, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have a melee weapon, a ranged weapon, that kind of stuff. And so that really, I think that added just enough spice to that Ori formula to make Will of the Wisp like such a great game. Now, I know when it first came out, it was hit with a lot of technical things. And I think one of the things you're going to see throughout this discussion is like this discussion, I think, is devoid of like, you know, oh, it didn't run great on Xbox One or whatever. Like, that's like, I I acknowledge that. I accept that. But also, like, I'm not going to punish a game for running poorly on older hardware when my experience wasn't that because I was was going to say the big thing is that to the best of our abilities, we give it with our experiences there. You know, I think from what we're seeing, we're not, uh, I I think depending on the category, maybe you take that in consideration, especially if we get to like biggest fail and other stuff that are a little bit more ambiguous than that. But like for best presentation, you know, usually we're gonna we're listening and we're gonna play on the best platform we can anyway. Yeah. So it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be an issue anyway. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. So I, I played it on PC. I have a, a 1080, so I'm not even that. I'm not even one of those Cameron like people that have the most powerful crazy thing. How could, how um, could but you? Kinda my experience was really great with the game. I enjoyed playing it, and yeah, I think that Ori and the Will of the Wisp is it tells such a like compelling story. I love those games. I love their their watercolor look and feel. Um, this game in particular had more of a, like a an open environment approach, whereas uh, or in the Blind Forest was kind of kind of reminded me of a um, Ocarina of Time, where you're like going, okay, I'm going to go to the forest zone and do the stuff in the forest zone, and then I'm going to go over here to mm-hmm. the desert zone and do the stuff in the desert zone, and then it all kind of comes together in the end in the hub area, but the Will the Wisp actually made it more like a Metroid game where you are backtracking, you're going back to other areas, you're unlocking shortcuts, 
finding those things, I, I really think that Oria and the Will of the Wisp is a great example of what happens when you take a look at a game and you say, what has like, what have we learned since the first one of these came out? And how can we make our second game better? Because there was a big gap between this game and the last one. I think it was like four or five years gap between these two games. I was going to say, this one got delayed a, a, a fair bit. Um, mm. Like, it, you know, it was going to come out then, then it kind of went back. And I know Will of the Wisp, Wisps has been in work for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think they, they pulled it off. It's a fantastic looking game. And it's definitely a runner up for best presentation from okay. Seth. It, this is a game that I have not had a chance to. I, I played. I actually did play. I felt pretty. Oh, so I, are I you going to the next one? I, I will. I'm, ta- I'm just adding oh, okay. to what you talked about. Oh, okay, um, cool, cool. I have, <clears throat> I've played this game, I played it this year, haven't played as much as I want to, I started playing it, and then other games came in and kind of distracted me for a little bit, but it is a game that I've I've really enjoyed, and I agree with a lot of the stuff you said, but like, the presentation, the art style, everything about that game was just so wonderful, it, re- it really made me want to go back, like, it kind of wanted to make me stop and go back to the first one and find like the remastered version. Now that it's on Game Pass and it has like the 120 frames and stuff like that, like play that, and then and then kind of go in order from the first one, and the second one. Um, but well, well done, good choice, good choice, mm. good pick. I like that pick. Um, it's my turn again, isn't it? Um, now back to you. All right, get some water, clear my throat. Um, next game, next runner up. Um, I had, I had some difficulty. With this other runner-up and my eventual pick, um, and it, it me thinking about best presentation, I think that I could have just like we did at the start of this. It could have been a coin flip. It could have been either one of these games, um, but there were a few things that edged. The, my eventual winner out from this current game that I pick is my other runner-up. My other runner-up is a game I am very, very happy and very fond of, A Ghost of Tsushima. Had to put on this list. This Ghost of Tsushima is... I'm, I'm trying the best way to describe this. It's, um, it's, it's a much better punch. purchase than Avengers was. <laughs> And for those that don't know, I have not actually gotten to play that game because I chose to go with Avengers instead, and boy, that I got, was... I got both, so I'm not going to disagree with them on that one. Um, I played myself. I, I really think that Ghost of Tsushima is Sucker Punch's version of um, Horizon Zero Dawn with, mm. with Gorilla. Like how Horizon elevated Gorilla games to top-tier status... Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were known as the kill zone guys. Oh yeah, do whatever you want, you know, and then boom. Um they released Horizon, a game that is wildly different from anything they've ever done. And yet they, it nails so many things right. It was our um if I'm not mistaken, 2017 Rocket Punch game of the year. If I'm 2017 or 2018. It's one of those two years. I think it's 2017. Um, I think that one was 2017. Um but Suck, I think this is Sucker Punch's version of that. I mean, Sucker Punch mm. has been doing Infamous and, you know, the awesome Sunset Overdrive game that mm. we all... Is, is that right? Or was that Insomniac? Nope, that's That Insomniac. was Insomniac, though. I'm take that that was Insomniac. Sucker Punch's um, um, Infamous. But 
seeing the first trailers of this, this this is basically the Assassin's Creed Japan that everybody's wanted. Yeah. And Sucker Punch <laughs> nails it. It's only on PlayStation. But like the you talk about presentation. I love love the I'm a big fan of Japanese lore, especially like older stuff, you know, the the story of Jin Sakai and of his, his samurai way of life and, you know, the path of the samurai, the path of the ninja and going through, I mean, from the, from the gate, from the opening, this thing, I, it's not, I feel like it's not even right for me to say oozes style because I don't think that's right. It is very much, it feels and puts you like you're standing in a feudal Japan. On an, in an island, in like you have the the cherry blossoms and whatnot breezing through, and then going through, and like all these environments and these villages and everything, from the visual presentation, which looks gorgeous on the PlayStation Four. I really wish and hope maybe that Sucker Punch is working on like a PS Five upgrade for this game, because God, if if they could do that, oh, it'd make this game even better. Um, bringing that all, and actually, funny enough, I saw people start commenting about this today, like the um, the opening to this game, and kind of how Seth, you haven't played the game, but like the opening to this game, after you do your little tutorial stuff, it's like you're you're on your horse and you're just you're riding, you're riding on your horse through this field of uh, flowers and grass. And it kind of has like the 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 two bars at the top, like the movie bars at the top, and then mm-hmm. it kind of comes away and opens up. The, like you you come out of these trees and you're in this field and you're just like the horse is galloping. You're going to this destination and the credits start popping up like right on the side. The mm-hmm. camera's kind of panned over, and it's like Sucker Punch presents Ghost of Tsushima. Like you're oh my god, it like it, it it's almost like the one shot style that God of War has, where it just c- mm-hmm. continually goes. It doesn't cut away from that as you go to your first objective. Um, a lot of people talked about that as like their favorite openings from this year. And I, I don't, I understand what they talk about. Like ghost of Tsushima is an homage. And I think, you know, I, I think I believe to the best of my knowledge represents that culture and that Japanese culture very well and very respectfully. Um, everything down, like the fact that it pulls me so much into the game. Like when I kill enemy, like the, the combat is so, it's not actiony. It's very, it's very fluid, and you know, you do just like the old samurai movies. You like you do your slash and block and whoosh, you slash somebody down. And the fact that the game, I just feel like every time I finish a fight, there's a little. If I think if you swipe on the um, pad on the PlayStation Four controller. You'll actually do like the the wiping of the blood off the sword, yeah. and so like you, I kill everybody, and they just like. It just slides yeah. in there like, yes, I'm a badass samurai. I love it. Um, it it's the the music, all these all these like notes and tools, you know, not, it, everything feels so acoustic. Nothing feels like forced. I'm, I'm sure they use like authentic Japanese instruments mm-hmm. to create the music in there. Where, like Jen, you can get the flute and start playing like music with your flute. The, the world that is open to you, like I've played hours of this game and I don't even think I'm halfway through it. Like there's like a other, another half of the island I've not explored yet because oh. I just, I, 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 I want to go in and find the side quests that happen and 
talk to these people and hear their stories and figure out these tales. Even if I do feel like, I, I will be honest, like, you, you do enough of these side quests and you, you, Seth, I think you'll, you'll back me up on this. Like, we, we've talked about games, we play enough games and we, we're well enough in the know to kind of get a feeling for like when you can see like, oh, okay, this is the same quest. This is the same thing they're doing for each of these subquests. You know, here's a fetch quest, here's an escort mission, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. to to the extent there's a lot of that same stuff that I can feel in there, but bravo to Sucker Punch for making it feel like each person I meet and the stories they give me, I'm so invested in those stories. I don't even care. Like if it's the same, like I got to escort this person to the top of this hill so we can investigate this body. So, and then we're going to get jumped by a bunch of people. Then I got to kill those guys. And then we got to go back and talk to such and such to report in on it and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's the same, you know, similar stuff that I've done in other missions before in the game so far, but the fact those stories in that world that come so alive, um, adds to that, that I forget about that is in and of itself awesome. And I think, um, one of the myriad of reasons why this game is on my runner up list and why it needs to be discussed. Ghost of Tsushima is, uh, it, it, again, it sucker punches like level up. It's their it's their yeah. step into going Super Saiyan, <laughs> going even further beyond whatever you want to call it. Um, it. This is, you know, in in I give credit to Sony and their studios. This is like this is the creation of another property that Sony can leverage. Mm-hmm. It, it's another you know only on PlayStation. Ghost of Tsushima. It's done so well, and I think it was a surprise hit for a lot of people that. Really, going into the launch of this game, I don't think a lot of people were like, it's on their radar, but not as big as some other games like The Last of Us Part Two and um, of like Cyberpunk and a bunch of other games that are kind of sneaking yeah. in around this time. Ghost of Tsushima was like, oh, it's cool. But then once scores started coming out, people started talking about this game. I think a lot of people got more invested in it, and it's been a very enjoyable game for a lot of people. It's a, it's a shame... I feel very bad, Seth, that you have not got a chance to play it because it's, this is it is definitely my 2020 white whale of shame. It is uh, the the <laughs> one that got away uh, for the for this year, and it's it is on my purchase backlog. It's something I'm keeping an eye out for, uh, especially. I mean, they added a whole new like raid content. You know, they added uh, it's not even a, right, like a multiplayer. Uh, they multiplayer added an mode, entire yeah. multiplayer component for free with Legends, which I've not played yeah. yet. Um, we'll definitely have to. I need to get you to play and some other people to play. We'll play together, but I've heard good things I would about love that. that. That would be fun. But like the combat, <clears throat> it, it's very ten. It feels very Tenchu to me. For people who know about mm-hmm. Tenchu, I'm um, like going through, and you can either choose to like be out in front and say I'm a samurai and I'll just kill everybody, or be the sneaky ninja and kind of sneak around and use your tools. They give you a wealth of tools, a wealth of weapons, paths to upgrade. The combat feels very much fit with the time frame that you're in. It's not like some like devil may cry, like woo, 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 woo. you know, hack and slash. It's very much methodical. Like you have to very much in the vein of demon souls. You have to look and you have to pay attention to what people are doing. And you have to like, you got a guy with a shield coming up to you. You got to change your stance to the water stance and you got to block them and slash them out. And you got a guy with a spear coming out. You, you need to change like the, the, the stone stance and flip them around there. And it, it really keeps you on your toes in combat, but it's, it's very deliberate. It's not fast, but it's like, 
I know he has a spear. I need to switch to this mode and be ready for him because he's going to come attack me. Let me focus on him and take him down. Yeah. And then as I like do the slash and he's like, oh, I'm just walking around like who else is next? And everybody's like, oh, oh, and they come out. Oh, it's so, it's so great. I, I, I really, I really love Ghost of Tsushima. That is why it's one of my runners up for best presentation. Very nice. A very passionate uh, case for for that game, and it, it truly is like it's one of those. It's the one that got away this year. It really is Gotta like if I could it. listen. I just want to open up a time warp and just lean through and and see me purchasing Avengers and just like silenced pistol, just shoot the hand and be like ah, ah. be like no, let me do it for you and reach over and change it to Ghost because. It is uh, <laughs> continues to be a game that yeah and yeah your comparison to um, uh, to Guerrilla Games and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is a great you know that helps contextualize it in my mind I was like oh wow yeah this is their coming out party of hey mm-hmm. we do more than just that infamous game <laughs> so <laughs> very very awesome now once okay I have got to focus again on a statement that I said earlier I will not allow the state of games when they came out or progression throughout to to taint my vision of this category. This category, I think, is about... It is about... Cameron, it's about baking a delicious cake. All right? The ingredients all come together. You put it in the oven and you start smelling it and you're like, mm, that smells so good. And then you eat that cake and you're like, this is the best damn thing ever. That is what best presentation is about. And my next runner-up for presentation, best presentation, is Cyberpunk 2077. Okay. Cameron, let me tell you about Cyberpunk. So, uh, just to let you all know, I played this on PC. I have rolled credits on this. I am not going to spoil any aspect of this game. So, do not fear. Spoilers are not happening in this segment. Okay. What I want to tell you about cyberpunk is i think that this game has definitely got a shadow over it that uh, deflated a lot of people's hype um but the reason this wins that category if you if you backpedal to a couple weeks before this game came out and you looked at the hype that people had now a lot of people were hyped just because it came from cd project red and that's fine but whatever what I wanted from Cyberpunk was I wanted a game that was going to show me this universe, right? The Cyberpunk universe that's uh, pre-existing. It's a uh, tabletop role-playing game that's been around for a long time. I wanted to see that universe brought to life, right? I wanted to see riding the subway. I wanted to see walking the streets. I wanted to see gangs that are... Uh, where the, the whole component of joining the gang is you have to like replace most of your body with cybernet. Like it's just so many cool parts of that, right? Net running this, like this whole idea that the, the internet became this wild West of AI. And we literally had to build like a fortress to protect <laughs> us from AI because the internet got too strong, right? Like it's such an amazing concept for a game. And it's very easy, I think, to make a game that gets lost in that, right? Like, how do you tell a story in D&D, right? Like, how do you do yes. that? You, it's, it, it's easy to tell a bad story in those big open worlds. But what I think they did is they, they picked a character, they picked a character of V, and 
they let you customize the look of V, but at the end of the day, V is its own. They are their own character, right? Yes. And when you play through this game, it is such an interesting exploration in morality, in what it means to be human, right? Like, at what point does your humanity disappear when half of your body is artificial? Uh, what does it mean to be alive, right? Like, what is life? Well, um, you're, you're is, asking the hard questions here, Steph. Calm exactly, down, Peter. And right, and so these questions are big, and they're, and they're asked very upfront and directly. <clears throat> but I think that what they do is they take this character V and the people that you meet along the way, the characters you meet along the way, create the world that this story, or I, I guess your world that the story takes place in. Mm. And I think when you look at cyberpunk, it is, I think my joke, I hesitate to even say this, but it's the best damn fallout game anyone's ever made. Like it is, <laughs> if you stop thinking it's going to be the next great, you know, step forward for gaming, and start thinking of it as a video game that is something you play for fun. It is a fun, enjoyable video game. You you can have yeah. blades for arms. You can have a giant pistol that literally shoots through walls. Uh, like, I've had so many experiences with this game that were, uh, I think, emergent is the term, emergent gameplay. But, like, you know, I've got to clear this building and I'm going to just you know, ping everyone so that I can see them through the walls. And I'm just going to pull out my giant tech sniper rifle and shoot them through the walls. Right. <laughs> like I don't even enter the building. They're just all dead. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I go to the next zone and I'm like, all right, blade hands. Sh -sh you know, I've got double jump. I'm, I'm basically Batman, but I kill people. It was just really <laughs> fun. And I think that it is at its best when you are on those uh, train tracks, right. When you're watching the story, Yes. Uh, unfold for you but then i think that at any moment when you get bored of that you're able to explore out and do your own thing um and it does the thing i think that open world games like grand theft auto get really well is you don't want your whole open world game to feel like the same space and night city is a space that has a lot of really interesting areas and interesting stories behind them so like there's the hey we obviously started building this for the rich people to come spend all their money right like Parad Paradisio or, you know, the Las Vegas equivalent, yeah. right? And then they, like, quit halfway through. So it's basically like a rundown shopping mall, but it's an entire city district. <laughs> like, that's interesting. That's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. It's really cool. And you uh, you can go out into the Badlands and, you know, see some good old Mad Max-style shenanigans, right? And it's just such a, such a cool world to live in. And I really, really hate that it has been overshadowed by its early technical problems. Um, and, you know, honestly, I think if this game had probably clicked on all cylinders, it probably could have won this category for me because yeah. there are, you know, I did have some soldiers T-pose in from the sky <laughs> into the drop ship. Like, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but it's... As far as worlds are concerned, I do think that Cyberpunk 2077, I'll say this, it's one of the best next-gen games that will come out for quite some time. That's a good way to put it. Okay. Now, it also happened to come out on previous gen as well, <laughs> but it is, if you play it on something that is, if you're the type of gamer who's buying the newest stuff, you're not, you know, you got a 
I mean, again, I have a 1080, so I'm not like honking a 20 or 30 series graphics card. I have a four-year-old graphics card. So I was still able to play it at a high frame rate with medium textures. So I feel like I got a great experience. And I definitely think that all in all, when you look at the package as a whole, it is a great runner-up for best presentation in 2020. Very good. Very good. Um, Exemplary So before, before we do our number one, can we run through and do our honorable mentions? I was going to do them after the number one, but if you want to do them before oh. the number one, that's totally fine. I figured, I, I figured we do them after because that way it leaves some suspense for who the number one is. Okay. And then cool, we cool, discuss. Cool, 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 cool. It, I mean... We're, we'll do them after. We're, we want, we will we'll have plenty of time to do them after. Believe me. You may have just heard my Google. I just heard Hey, Google. hey, Google. Stop. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. No, it's great. I love it. Um, I'm so sorry to everyone at home. If you're watching this, I just triggered your thing. So, yeah, it's time. Number it's one. It's time for best presentation. Best presentation. The winner for Cam, for the man behind the fist here at Rocket Punch, my best presentation is... God, I, I actually, contrary to popular belief, I really had to actually think about this because I made a list of all the games that you I did. wanted in this category, and no, I was like, did. yeah, like, no, this is, I, I thought about it, then I really was like, no, this is this is the one for me, and it's The Last of Us Part Two. Best presentation, yeah. that's, you knew it, Seth, you knew it was coming, it, the, the, the big thing, and that's not to say that I, Cyberpunk could have been in this for me, but like in, in a very interesting way, Seth, like a lot of the, the technical bugs and the problems for me is kind of what pushed this out a little bit for me. Um, because I did get a couple of bugs, nowhere near as much as the previous generation, but you know, we, I, a couple of the games on here we talked about are also on, well, minor God, man, I'm such a PlayStation fanboy. <laughs> Games for a PlayStation. You know, admitting you have a problem is the first step for recovery. You know, it's. <laughs> but it. All this is like the, the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I think the the technical issues for me were a big hurdle. Um, not saying that they may or may not be in future stuff because I'm uh, still. I I agree with everything you said, Seth. Like, love that game to death. Yeah. Um, but the Last of Us Part Two. I you know for whatever reason, people's because the the game is I'm not I don't want to spoil that for anybody but because the game is quote unquote different, a lot of people have a lot of differing opinions on it or whatever. But there is in my mind there is no denying that Naughty Dog is fucking at the top of the pile. It's up there with you know it's one of the handful of developers that I think you can put up there with some of the best in the business at what they do and the craft they make. Um, I remember an E3 presentation that we watched, Seth, and we watched when they did the Last of Us Part Two, like, kind of gameplay demo. Mm -hmm. And it's the specific scene where, um, not spoiling anything, of course, but Ellie gets shot with an arrow and like she's like bending down and she has that moment where she like starts grabbing the arrow and she's like pulling it out. And I remember in a weird way, like one of the one of the things I think you or somebody had said was like, excuse me, um, I there's no way that that's how it, it's not going to be like that. 
when the game comes out. Like, don't not it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be that like gritty or however you know presented that way. It's going to be a lot easier, smoother, kind of that same style. Like we always know that games. When you see the games a few years ahead of time, it's going to look real good. And then when you actually start seeing the gameplay as you get closer to release, some things are going to be changed in order yeah. to preserve resources and stuff like that. For the most part, there was no change in that scene at all. And I really think that's a testament to what Naughty Dog has done with The Last of Us Part 2. I would say that it's the... It, the Last of Us Part 2 is probably, in my mind, the second most hyped game this year. Aside, of, mm-hmm. aside from Cyberpunk. Uh, you know, I've talked about it before. I'm glad that we're, we wait until the end of the year because I really want, like, I want Cyberpunk and Last of Us to duke it out. And, and now I get to do it in my mind. Like, who's going to win what? And who's, you know, who's going to take on the prizes and stuff? Um, but The Last of Us Part 2, the, the environments are gorgeous. The story is so impactful. The characters pull you into this story. I like all the different people that you meet in this game are so memorable and have their own personalities and can like so much pulls you into the story. It made me feel exactly the way I felt when I played the first last of us back in 2013 Mm -hmm. and the story and the environments and how it pulled you in the, enhancements they made to gameplay not saying like the gameplay isn't like this masterful like all these different buttons and switches and stuff like cyberpunk or like ghost of tsushima but like it's very it's very simplistic i would say the best way i could describe it is like it like an apple product as opposed to like a windows product like you know very sleek very simple when you go in and actually open applications it's not it's somewhat intuitive to kind of learn what to do. And I feel like the combat in the last of us part two is the same way. It's very much the last of us part one and kind of adding a couple of different features, adding a couple of different things and mechanics, not only in fighting and gameplay that you have to, you know, manage around Ellie can jump now. Whoa, she can climb on stuff. Whoa. That, you know, that verticality opens up puzzles. Um, and you know, the fact that they add in these kind of open world zones for you to explore instead of kind of keeping you on one specific train, kind of inviting you. I remember one specific zone near the beginning where you're in this big area and you have all these buildings and you can go and just go here, 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 and here and get out of there. Or if you take your time and start exploring, you can get more items, get upgrades, get a bunch of other stuff that can help you on your journey further on. And it invites that world the the world that naughty dog paints with the last of us part two is just i will be honest heart-wrenching i you won't disagree with me said like heart-wrenching mm-hmm. and just hard and it just feels like this world that just beats you down and I remember us talking about the last of us part two in our impressions and review of the game seth on um, one of the episodes and the fact that you were like i had to I was I was tired. I was exhausted. Yep. Like the game was straining. <laughs> it felt like it was draining the life force. Like taking it everything was as you had. tiring as playing Resident Evil Seven on PSVR. That was the the exhaustion <laughs> I felt from playing and that like, game. That experience, 
and not, not saying that's good or bad, but like that's an experience that you don't see often. Like it's very, you can count on your hands that games that can give you that type of experience. And the fact that this game is not on a VR system and it's on, at least as of this recording, last generation hardware with the PlayStation 4, and to come, it, it really it showcases. You know, as the the original Last of Us did on the PlayStation Three, it truly showcases the final kind of swan song and farewell and the powerhouse that the PlayStation Four was able to kind of squeak and eke out. Um, but the story of Ellie and the character she runs with is just it's it, it's hard and it's it feels real. Mm. Um, if you if you're put in that situation, you know, in that world with zombies and the end of the world and the collapse of civilization, a lot of decisions and comments and thoughts that you 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 could sit, you sit there and play the game. And you're like, yeah, I could definitely see people doing that because oh, the government's not going to hear. I'm not going to get punished for that. I'm going to kill you and take your clothes or your shoes and stuff. And um, that. I was so engrossed in that world from start to finish. Every time I played that game, every time I had the controllers in my hands, I was in that world. Sound design, the the music, and the kind of the little interludes they weave throughout the game. Presentation, how those the world opens up more. You learn more about the environments and the people around you. You hear more about these stories. Every component, the reason this is my in my pick for best presentation and my winner is I feel like every component from sound design, from music to presentation, to story, to gameplay, everything fits so well. Yeah. That it doesn't, you can't, you don't pay attention to it. Like you, we talked about with music, like the best, the best type of music is the music you don't pay attention to. You, when yeah. music is bad, you pay attention to it. But when music is great, when sound design is great, you don't even think about it. You don't even hear about it. Maybe something weird pops up unless it's like by design, like a drop. You hear something knock over and you're like, what was that? Like, I think The Last of Us Part 2 this year from all the games from 2020 did the best job of taking all these components to build a presentation that instantly pulls you into that world and keeps you into that world. It's not, it's not the fact that it's not sunshine and rainbows. I, I know I've talked about it, you know, I've, I've read people and stuff and it's okay. I, I, I definitely tell people it's okay. Like man, the last of us part two is a really hard game for me. Like I can't, I can't do that. And I think I, I would say that's okay because the thing is that Naughty Dog is not trying to be like the Sunshine and Rainbows game. This is a dark world and a hard world that these people have to live in. It is showcasing that world in, I think, the fullest extent possible. And I think by doing that, by unabashedly saying, we're going full steam ahead and technically not holding anything back, I think that immerses the gamer and the player into that world mm. that is unmatched. Um from 2020, uh, bar none for me. But that is why my number one pick, winner for Cameron, for um, best presentation is The Last of Us Part Two. Very nice. Spoken like a true fan. 
Well, let, let me get my PlayStation shirt because God damn it. <laughs> well, grab me a shirt too because my pick for best presentation is also what? The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, so let me just ditto a lot of what he just said. Um, but I do want to talk about it, especially coming from um, kind of my from my from my perspective. I was right, going to say, I think I, we, we talked about this game we had a lot of similar thoughts, but we also had a lot of different mm-hmm. thoughts and kind of how we approach this. Cause yeah. like I said, we're different gamers. It's one of the best games I've ever played that I never want to play. <laughs> that, is the, that is how I describe this game. To I'm like, man, I went and I watched it. It's like watching Marley and me. You watch it once and you're like, I'm never no, I'm done. I'm out. Peace. Uh, so it's yeah. For all the reasons you talked about, it's a very heavy game and heavy is the only way I can really describe this game it's it touches on some really gruesome situations it touches on some really harrowing uh situations i mean it's really just about being in the worst possible situation that one could imagine and it's also a game that never ends when you think it's ending (laughs) it's not has three false endings to the game and man, I can't. T- I was begging for the end of this game by the time it actually came. Uh, but w- but I will say the it w- no spoilers, of course. But like the end of this game definitely is worth the wait. It is worth the trudge yeah. through that. And it's it's just it is a masterpiece. It's truly a masterpiece. I think the first game was a masterpiece. Um, it was honestly the first piece of video game content I ever produced on video was in my college apartment and it was about the last of us and how damn good it was. Like it's, and that video is gone. You'll never <laughs> find it. It's gone. But it's, uh, I, they captured it again. Right. I, I remember when they announced this, I think I was talking to you, Cameron. I was like, man, what a mistake. Like, why are you making a sequel to a game that is done? I, like, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like it, the ending to the first one was perfect. Like, oh. and, yeah. It really was. And like to to answer, to continue it is to risk tainting the whole thing, right? Yes. But what I think they did in this is they continued it. And they did it in a way that you, it wasn't like a sunshine and rainbows thing. Like you see the consequences of what happened in the, of Joel's choices in the first game. You see the consequences of those decisions he made laid bare before him. And I think they did a really cool couple of hooks to keep the kind of glue it all together. But then when you really get down to it, this is a game about Ellie and Abby about two, you know, one character who's grown up a lot and another character who's new and figuring out their connections to each other, their connections to the world. It's just, Man, Last of Us Part Two masterpiece. Uh, you were talking about the big open world section. Um, yeah. Going to do some vague, vague as far as the uh, spoilers are concerned, but just minor ism here. But like the bank that you go to, uh, the Seattle yeah. Bank. Do you remember that that section? And you go in yes. there and and yes, I you, do. It's it's one of those things where you like you fight a bunch of enemies and then you read some things that tell you about the enemies and i think a game like the last of us what the last of us does really really well is making you feel bad about killing that room full of dudes (laughs) like it's 
you're going to read that letter at the other side of the room that tells you, oh, those guys were actually trying to, you know, do something real nice or they just were in a bad place at the wrong time, right? It's, and so The Last of Us, it is a game they set out to make a game that wasn't an open world chore fest. It wasn't about immersive gameplay experiences. It was truly about telling a great story. And they did it. They created a visual masterpiece, an audio masterpiece, a narrative masterpiece. It is all in all, through and through, a masterpiece. And definitely, you call it the crown jewel of the PlayStation 4 era. I don't think that there is any game that is as polished as that game that has come out this gener- this previous generation. So, yeah. bravo. Right over them. Winner. So... A uh, quick recap, guys. Um, but, um, winner, surprisingly, I didn't expect this to happen on the first episode. Um, best presentation winner from Seth and myself. We've both chosen The Last of Us Part Two. Um, for Seth, his runners-up are Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Cyberpunk 2077. My runners-up are Demon Souls and Ghosts of Tsushima. Um, congratulations. Give a round of applause to all those lovely games and developers there. Um, of course, Affian here, as I said, we got runners up here, guys. So, mm-hmm. Seth, what are some of your runners up here that you want? You, we definitely need to mention. Yes. Um, so I have three runners up, <clears throat> not in any particular order. I will do my first one. You've already said it. It's Demon Souls. Man, mm-hmm. what a great-looking game. They... <laughs> Everything we talked about previously is why it belongs in this category. It mm-hmm. almost got that number three spot or that uh, runner-up spot, but it was just, you know, when I looked at Ori and Cyberpunk, I just was... Those oh, games captured I, I, me. I, I got you, dog. Yeah. I got you. You got me. <laughs> um, do you want me to go through all of mine real quick? Yeah, do all yours. Yeah. So next one is uh, Astro's Playroom. This was oh. a game... That I didn't really know what to expect from this. Uh, I'd heard people say, it's a real full video game. And then I heard some people be like, that's a tech demo. And (laughs) it sits somewhere in between. But what I do think, when I look at Astro's Playroom, I I imagine it is like going to a really nice dinner. It has a start. It has an end. It's not the longest thing in the world. But the three or four hours that you play it, or I think it's been about... Six six and a half hours platinuming it, but like it is an enjoyable game, and I'm not even that super of a nostalgic PlayStation person. But I was going through this and smiling at the you know tons of references they have to classic PlayStation games. Um, all the way through the levels you're playing, it you know the whole thing takes place inside of PlayStation Five, and I think just the the final the final stretch of that game is just super fun and like. It just really pays homage to the legacy of PlayStation. So, Astro's Playroom, and then lastly, man, I gotta, I gotta say it. They put ray tracing in a next gen game, and it put it in this category. Spider Man Miles Morales, one of the best looking. Yeah, I like, when I think yeah. about PS Five games, it is the one that I enjoyed playing the most because it's built on that tried and true Spider Man formula. But man, adding ray tracing and adding, making it, you know, in winter. So the the color palette is much softer. It's more about um, the reflection of light off of snow and things like that. Man, it just 
really completed that. Uh, the kind of focusing down his abilities, um, making the gameplay more streamlined, and again, making it a little bit shorter. Like it's a you know pretty quick you know eight to ten hour experience. Yeah. And I think all in all, it just made it a great presentation of that game. So those are those are my honorable mentions that uh, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure get shout outs. Okay. My honorable mentions, um, I'll go ahead with the one that you already talked about, um, Seth. Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that game. Uh, it, it, I, I fought really hard if I should put that on there. But I, I think that the, the other two, especially like Demon Souls and Ghost of Tsushima, I think I think they they definitely needed to deserve to be on like I say deserve to be on there, but I, I felt more drawn to what they did. It's surprisingly it was between Miles Morales and Demon Souls for me, but I felt especially as a new person and a new person in that Demon Souls era game, like the the impression that Blue Point gave me from the start to that game, like it made me from like I was nervous to play Demon Souls to I gotta keep going. I gotta keep fighting. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, not knocking Miles Morales at all, but look, you know it, I know it, everybody listening and watching this show knows it. Cameron was going to play Miles Morales. It wasn't it wasn't any doubt in anybody's mind. It wasn't that a matter was of play. if, it was a matter of when. Yeah, exactly. And I think that a little bit of that kind of gave the edge to um, Demon Souls for me on that one. I, well, I understand. Insomniac just got acquired, so it probably took a little bit longer for their check to clear. <laughs> So you're not allowed to say that on the on the mic. So come on, we talked about <laughs> Am this. Am I not? <laughs> the NDA man. Come on, damn. Well, you know, just providing the evidence that is out there, right? Uh, no, um, I mean My- Miles Morales is just man. What a great game! Like from the uh, the the mural. That's all I'll say. The mural scene. Yes. You know which one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Chills. Uh the and that's not even like a main story thing, really. It kind of is, but it's not. It's like a weird side thing. But yeah, dude, that game is just enjoyable. Um, through through. The other ones might surprise you a little bit, Seth, as to my runners okay. up here. Um, my, another one of my runners up was actually Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Oh yeah. Um, the just this isn't like this huge game. Like everybody else's, but the presentation that is done, the fact that you can easily tell that you are a contestant in a game show and it's got all its fun little musics and the little game. It feels like a game show from start to finish. As soon as you play that game, it feels exactly what it's trying to be, which is a game show um, with Battle Royale components-esque. And I loved every minute of Fall Guys. And it was another hard one that I was debating on whether I should put on the list here. But um, Fall Guys is another shout-out I want to give out for best presentation, for sure. Um, my last shout-out and runner and, um, honorable mention is Gears Tactics. I, um, un- I, 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 I want to continue to play this game. I haven't played nearly as much as I want to, but like the presentation of that game for a Gears game that is not in the mainline story and not like a third-person action-adventure game, but still the fact that I've always described it to you, Seth, is like it is XCOM with a gear skin. And that sounds simple, but the fact that that gear skin is done so well from the sound design, from the music, from the world, from the combat, the fact that you have to like reload to get your ammo, the fact you can do like chainsaw kills, and the the gore and the chunks fly off, and you have your grenades and all the enemies and stuff that come out. I love it. Love Gears Tactics is one of my favorite. 
I, I will say without this isn't necessarily spoiling anything for any future, like Gears Tactics is one of my favorite games from this past year. Mm. Um just it's a tactics game for people who maybe are intimidated by that genre because there are way more people that probably know how Gears of War works than people that are really into tactics games, it, but surprisingly a lot of those mechanics translate over. It's and I hate putting it this way, but this is the most simplistic way I could describe it. It is when you you have a you have a kid and you need them to brush their teeth and you hand them a plain Jane toothbrush and they're like, ooh, I, you know, I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't feel like it. But when you buy the Spider-Man toothbrush with Peter yes. Parker going whip, 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 on, on the cover of it, they're like, I can't wait to get in the bathroom tonight and brush my teeth. That is Gears Tag. It's like the Sim game, but then it has the gear skin and it, 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 it really, you know, for people that are fans of Gears, this is a great game to, mm-hmm. in a different genre to try out. I will tell you, it is not easy. Do not go into this game thinking it's easy. If you want it easy, I think there's a difficulty you can change. Yeah. But if you play on normal, it's fucking hard. From experience, it's fucking hard. So Yeah. Um, But no, that's it for best presentation. Um, We've got all our winners and runners up and everything out of the way, guys. And that is it for part one here of the Rocket Punch Game of the Year 2020 Awards showcase spectacular. I don't know what the hell. Deliberations. Yeah, <laughs> deliberations. There you go. Uh, there's not as much debating going on now, so I, I couldn't use that That's word. Right. You're right. You're right. We changed the format to prevent that, even though that is more blood would be. Sh- it oh, is. Yeah. It yeah. is. I want to shed some blood. <laughs> this would not be the category for blood shedding, though. No, no, no. We've got nine more categories, though, guys. We got nine um, more to go. So hang tight. If you're if you're watching via video, go over to part two if you want to continue on this conversation. But if you're listening via podcast services, hang tight. We're going to switch to part two, which is going to be best score slash music. So hang tight, and we will be right back in just a few. <laughs> 